0: The following podcast has been paid for by Perch on the Top Road. To send our thoughts and condolences to the friends and family of Scott Hall. We will now play a ten-bell salute in honor of Scott Hall's career. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me. I am the LWE, I am your host, Lee Walker. And this is the AEW Dynamite Discussion. As you know, we've been doing the WWE Raw Caps on Monday after Raw every Wednesday night We will be doing the AEW Dynamite discussion. I will often be alone fans, and that's okay. Because what I have to offer tonight is simply amazing. The show started off with CM Punk. Haven't seen him since AEW Revolution. And tonight he took on Dax Hardwood of FTR. Usually we don't see them in single matches. Uh, CM Punk would come out on top. Uh, He was wearing the original gear when he first debuted in AEW with the long pants. Uh, I like the switch up, what he's doing. You know, we've seen him in the trunks. We've seen him in the long pants now. And even at Revolution, we saw him in essentially old school Ring of Honor gear. Really, really cool. This next match is an eight-man Texas Tornado tag match with Justin, Alex, and I. We'd actually talked about this as Justin and I had noticed some things about Sting. Seemingly unhappy about what he's doing, at least from our eyes when you look at his facial expressions the last couple of weeks having to work with Jeff Hardy in some sort of capacity. During this match, this match was all over the place, by the way. Um, It was a great match. It was Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, the Hardy Boys, with Darby Allin and Sting taking on Private Party, Butcher and the Blade, who are associated with Andrade. This is the same group that kicked Matt Hardy out. This is the same group that when they attacked, we saw Jeff Hardy come out. We saw Sting and Darby come out. But Justin and I had noticed that Sting has had like a specific look on his face. It just made him seem like unhappy with what he was doing. I don't know if it was unhappy or if it's because he's working with Hardy after the TNA incident that it occurred. Or if we're just reading into it way too damn much, which is honestly probably that. But this match, I noticed some things, again, where Sting and Jeff Hardy, for the most of this match, were not around each other at all. That was until, towards the end of the match, being a Texas Tornado match, they were all over the place. Darby and Jeff were walking up the alleyway with the fans and made their way to a couple of tables, you know, merchandise tables and stuff like that. Sting comes up out of nowhere. Now at the merchandise table, it's like a three-on-two situation. You have Darby, Jeff Hardy, and Sting beating up on Butcher and the Blade. They set a ladder up but also this leaves Matt Hardy with private party on his own and from the entrance ramp they all three of them went through a table. It was a great spot. So Jeff is finds a ladder and it's a big ladder. And he climbs it, climbs it. And I don't know if you guys watched, but where they were there was a bunch of like big big windows in this arena for, for the level that they were at. Jeff just doesn't climb the top of the ladder. Now, this is like one of those ladders where... Oh, God. It had to have been WrestleMania where it was just one of those super, super tall ladders. And it was one like the one of the Money in the Bank matches. Jeff Hardy climbs to the top and jumps off it onto, onto Edge. It was like a high, high ladder. No surprise here. Jeff Hardy being Jeff Hardy just can't do a swanton bomb off of the top. Of the ladder, no, he goes one step above. These windows had like window sills that were that were out that you could walk on. Jeff Hardy, being Jeff Hardy, the insane man that he is, took it a step further, went to the window sill, which was probably another couple feet higher than what he already was, and he was probably already twenty feet somewhere around 15, 20 feet in the air. Butcher and the Blade are each on a table. Sting is looking up while Jeff is climbing. Darby's looking up while Jeff is climbing. They're seemingly holding those two, the Butcher and the Blade, on the tables. He gets on that windowsill. Swanton Bomb. Hits them both. Great spot. After Sting starts coming down... To the ring to help Matt. So now it's Matt, Hardy, Sting, and Private Party in the Ring. There was a spot, and I'm sure we're gonna see it on Botchamania. Sting catches one of the guys from Private Party, like mid air, and he's gonna do his Scorpion Death Drop, and Matt Hardy's going to do his twist of fate simultaneously. Something happens where Sting's guy is on the ground and Sting keeps trying to get up, but he can't get up and he keeps like falling to a knee. It took him three tries. And then I think on the fourth try, he finally stands all the way up and he hits the Scorpion Death Drop while Matt Hardy hits the Twist of Fate at the same time. They both get the pin, one, two, three. The Hardys, Sting and Darby Allen win the match. After, again, they kind of have a little stare down. Not as bad as we've seen previously. But it was there. After the match, FTR cut a promo backstage with Tony Schiavone. They seem to be turning face, FTR, even though we just saw Dax take on CM Punk. Uh, it was a very face-like kind of promo. Uh, as we've seen the gun club having some issues, and FTR and, as they put it, the Ass Boys, will go head-to-head next week on Dynamite. Our next match is John Moxley and Brian Danielson taking on the Varsity Blondes. Of course, Moxley and Danielson are under the tutelage of William Regal, which, if you listen to William Regal on commentary, phenomenal on commentary, by the way. Excalibur says something along the lines that they're under the tutelage of William Regal, and Regal on the mic says, you know, respects the fact that he liked that Excalibur. On commentary, referred to it as a tutelage. Because William Regal says, I'm not a mooch manager. He's teaching these guys stuff. He's 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 working with them. He's just not out there to hog glory. He's there for them to get the glory. Uh, this was a great match. One of the things I noticed was Julia Hart was sitting on the steps facing the crowd. She had an eye patch on her eye. Uh, This all stems from last week when she took the mist from Malakai Black. Definitely acting different, um, but she didn't play any effect in the match as a manager. She sat on the steps the entire match facing the crowd. After the match, William Regal walked to the ring. And as he was going up the entrance ramp, she was still sitting there. She didn't move. It was like she didn't even acknowledge that he was there. I mean, simultaneously, it seemed like he didn't acknowledge her either, but it's cool. So after Moxley gets the mic and he says, you know, the only person I ever cared about their opinion uh, was William Regal. And again, a William Regal chant breaks out. Of course it's going to break out. It's William Regal. The man is incredible. Anyway, he says that William Regal is the only opinion that matters, and it's not for the fact that it was given to him that he earned it. And I got to agree. Definitely earned it. I'm very excited to see what's going to happen more with William Regal, Brian Danielson, and John Moxley. Because even on commentary... Like, guys like Tony Schiavone and Excalibur brought up, like, Wheeler Yuda wanting to join. And, and William Regal talked about it and said that the kid showed heart, blah, blah, blah. Seemingly just he's not ready. Uh, later, we would see a promo with Yuda and the rest of the best friends there. Uh, and, and it seems that some people within were not happy with, with, with Wheeler. It is what it is. So after that match comes one of my favorite things, an MJF promo. Why is it one of my favorite things? It's easy. MJF is hands down one of the best on the microphones today. He's really, really good in the ring. He can do great storytelling. I've personally interviewed him. I think he's phenomenal. Sorry, AJ, but that's what I think. So he comes out, cuts a promo, and it's all on Wardlow. There's a bunch of security around the ring. And he's referring to Wardlow as a pig. Uh, Prime examples. I own you, pig. MJF then threatens Wardlow, threatens Wardlow's mother. Wardlow comes down to the ring. Again, a bunch of securities around the ring. Probably more for MJF's protection, let's be honest. But the ring crew and all those security, they hold Wardlow back from getting into the ring or even attacking MJF or seemingly doing anything. By the way, it took like 10 guys to do it. Uh, They all basically piled up on him. It was rather funny to watch. Anyway, MJF goes, you don't work for AEW. You work for me. They're holding you back. Like they would if any of these marks jumped the guardrail. I don't want you here. I'm going to pay you to sit home and everyone can forget you existed. MJF said that. It was really a great spot at that point. The security let go of Wardlow. Now, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't attack or anything like that. You can see he's mad. But nothing happens. Now... There's a big part of why I, I, I'm bringing that up. But I want to get through the rest of the promo because MJF says that the pinnacle is still alive and better than ever. You know, we just saw Chris Jericho's inner circle break up and now he's formed a new group already, which is great, to be honest. I don't know what's left for the pinnacle. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. Honestly, it seems like without Wardlow, you have Sean Spears and MJF. That's the only two that were in the ring, really. So, as MJF says that, he calls to Sean Spears, and Sean Spears says, when you're pinnacle, you're always on top. Now, the big part of the promo that I wanted to get to that really touched something with me was the fact that MJF referring to fan as Marks. There's been all sorts of debates about this. Should the term Mark be used? Shouldn't it be used? Personally, I don't care if I'm called a Mark. It's a word. It's a name. But there's one person who doesn't like the word Mark. And this was brought up fairly recent and that's William Regal so these are quotes from William Regal I've never ever used the term mark I hate that term I think it's nasty horrible derogatory term to call somebody who's willing to give you their time as wrestling fans we're always willing to give the wrestlers our time now fans use the term mark wrestlers use the term mark if you don't like the term, you don't like the term. Is it a derogatory term to use on fans? I'm going to be honest and say, yeah. It's not known for anything good. Let's be honest. It personally doesn't bother me. Again, I've been called a mark. It's, it is what it is. From my eyes. But when someone like a William Regal says, yeah, I don't like that term, it kind of makes you change your views a little bit because William Regal is a highly, highly, highly respected man in the professional wrestling industry. Yes, I said professional wrestling and not sports entertainment. That man is not a sports entertainer. That man is a professional wrestler. And that's a good reason to like William Regal. Our next match is Adam Cole. Taking on Jay Lethal. I'll tell you what. There is nothing that gets me more excited, number one, than Adam Cole's theme song. He had a great one in NXT. He's got a better one in AEW. Can't tell me otherwise. The other stuff is the fact that I love Jay Lethal's theme. When that Macho Man spot hits like right in the beginning, I want to jump up and go, Ooh, yeah. it! Big Macho Man fan. So it's really cool to hear that and to know that he's still using that in his theme music. This was a great match. Tony Schiavone said this could possibly steal the night. And to be honest, in my opinion, it did. Excalibur brought up that Adam Cole in the last five meetings between he and Lethal, Adam Cole, is 3-2. He has the upper hand on Lethal. There was an awesome spot Where, like, Lethal hits this hip toss, but does a cartwheel. And as Adam Cole, like, rolls through the hip toss, like, hits the ground and then sits up, he's met with a fantastic low drop kick, seemingly to the shoulder and chest. It was just a really cool spot. So as Lethal was doing well in the match, this brought out Red Dragons, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish. You might remember them from NXT. You could also remember them from Ring of Honor. You probably, if you're a newer fan, remember them from NXT with Adam Cole as the Undisputed Era. I'll choose to remember them from Ring of Honor. So if they come out. They interfere. Jay Lethal goes for the lethal injection. Cole hits him with a super kick in the back of the head, and it just looked like a great spot. Then again, I also don't want to take a super kick in the back of the head, so I don't want to know how that feels either, but it looked great. After, Cole hits the Panama Sunrise. If you don't know what that is, I'll just say this. PD Williams, Canadian Destroyer. That's all you need to know. I'll never call it Panama Sunrise. That's the only time I'll refer to it as such. It's a Canadian Destroyer. End of story. Jay Lethal kicked out. Lethal ends up going for a, a, a roll-up pin, to which Red Dragon interferes again. Uh, Cole would hit a low blow, and it's not the first one of the night that we're going to see either. Hits him with a low blow, hits the boom, steals the win. Adam Cole, 4, Jay Lethal, 2, in the last six meetings between the two. After the match, Cole gets on the mic, and he goes, Nobody deserves AEW Championship more than me. He also brings up the fact that he's won the last two out of three matches between he and Hangman. This would cause Hangman to come out. He attacks Cole. Red Dragon would help, obviously. This leaves a three-on-one situation to which Jurassic Express comes out to help. We'd see Red Dragon and Adam Cole walk out of the ring. But Cole leaves with one thing in particular that's Hangman Page. And that was the AEW Championship. After that, it's announced that Lance Archer will face Dustin Rhodes on Rampage. We cut to Tony Schiavone in the ring with Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti. Uh, Ty Conti, in her native language, throws some shots at Paige Van Sant. This brings out Dan Lambert. He's wearing one of the TNT titles and refers to himself as a co-TNT champion. I found that rather interesting. I found that interesting because if they say he's a co-champion, then at some point, maybe he's going to defend it. Maybe he's going to wrestle. If anyone remembers anything like uh, Lay Cool being co WWE Women Champions when they like broke the title in half, I mean we're not going to see that because AEW with the TNT Championship already has two titles. But it would be interesting to see if Dan Lambert gets in the ring and has to defend it if he's going to call himself a co champion. So during this. Dan Lambert refers to Paige Van Zandt as one of the best signings in AEW history. He then says, subscribe to her fans page, and you can see why Orange Cassidy keeps his hands in his pockets all the time. Then tells Sammy Guevara, if he wants a shot, hold on. He turns to the guys and says, you got anything to say? Because Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, the other I guess, co-TNT champion or with him. They laugh and walk out, and he goes, I guess not. And then tells Sammy that he can kiss the title goodbye, a title shot goodbye, and then kisses the championship. Now, this, this is great. Sammy grabs the mic and says, you know, I know we live in your head rent-free. He goes, if you know what we did with that belt, <laughs> you know we're also not in your head, but we're also in your mouth. This was a great shot. It was hilarious. And of course it's gonna remind fans uh, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna take some heat for this. But it's gonna remind fans of WWE's page and Brad Maddox. Or Brad Maddox and Xavier Woods. Or Alberto de Rio. I'm sorry, it's there. It's what it reminded me of don't hate me because you looked at it too. That's all I'm going to say. The next match is Layla Hirsch taking on red velvet. This is a rubber match. Layla Hirsch won the first match Friday on rampage. We saw red velvet defeat Hirsch. They're one on one. They're one and one. Uh, There is a stipulation to this match that Chris Statlander is barred from ringside as you know, these three were a former trios group seemingly. Uh, so Layla has a, a piece of the turnbuckle in hand. I I it really it looked more like a wrench like the piece that, you know, you turn, you know, to get the ropes to tighten. She has it in her hand. She goes to hit red velvet with it, but but the ref catches it and grabs it for her and goes to put it away, but when he goes to do that, Layla Hirsch already had another piece of that in her gear, pulls it out and hits Red Velvet and gets the 1-2-3. This would draw Chris Statlander to come out after the match, as Layla is beating up on Red Velvet. Chris Statlander makes a save, but what was interesting to me is some of JR's comments. One of the first things JR says about the two of them is, is he mentions that they're both homegrown talent. Something you actually don't hear enough of in AEW, because... A lot of fans focus on the fact that there are a lot of former WWE superstars, part of AEW. Heck, if you really want to go through, I can list everything right here. One, CM Punk, Dax, and the rest of FTR. There's, there's three people now. Brian Danielson, Jon Moxley, William Regal. Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy. You can technically count Sting because he was in WWE. Adam Cole. I brought up Dustin Rhodes because he's going on Rampage. That right there alone, we're already at 10 former WWE superstars. That we had seen on AEW Dynamite tonight. But I like this. That JR brought that up again. Because we do not hear enough. About homegrown talent with AEW. A lot of fans. Just get focused on the former WWE stuff. I've said it once before. I'll say it again. This stuff has been happening in wrestling. Since before I was born. It's nothing new. It's not a big deal. So. Anyway, Statlander saves Red Velvet. The feud between Red Velvet, Chris Statlander, and Layla Hirsch seemingly is not over from what we saw tonight. But after that, we cut to, again, Tony Schiavone. But this time he's with Jade Cargill. Uh, Jade's going to be having her 30th match coming up and she's 29 and 0 and they're already talking about her celebrating her 30th victory. She's going on with smart Mark Sterling. She wants green confetti. She wants green Lambos. She wants exotic dancers? I mean, first I'm going to wonder, does she want male or female? If it's male, I'm probably not interested in watching, per se. If it's women, yeah, I'm definitely interested. Catch my drift. Uh, However, after the, the funny part of the whole thing, at the end, she just looks at Tony and she goes, Tony, cut the shit, and walks away. I thought that was hilarious. Now, a lot of fans have been very critical of jade cargill she's green she's this she's that why do you think they picked the color green with her y'all want a color green AEW's gonna have fun with it and they are this is fun for them this is fun for me too because i i catch this stuff i enjoy it i th- i think the i think it was a great promo she did great work and then we come to another promo with tony shivani this time, he's at the entrance ramp, and he calls out for Thunder Rosa. Rosa comes out, and seemingly within seconds, we hear, Excuse me! But something I caught about this promo seemed off. And the only reason why I say it seemed off is because like, she kind of put the mic down, but you could still hear in I'm almost positive I heard Vicky Guerrero say they told me to come out. Tony Schiavone seemed kind of mad. It seemed like Vicky came out too early. Which, if that's the case, where were you, Vicky Guerrero, for the Eddie Guerrero Rey Mysterio match when you were missing your ladder spot cue? You were late, and we could hear Eddie Guerrero cursing you out. So, anyway, she's a little early, apparently. No big deal. Thunder Rosa goes to say something, and Vicky, right in her face, just goes, Excuse me! And then you see Thunder Rosa hit the ground. As Nyla Rose attacks Thunder Rosa from behind. Seemingly, we know who Thunder Rosa's first title defense is going to be against. It's going to be against Nyla Rose. This is something I'm okay with. I think Nyla Rose is a phenomenal talent. She does great work in the ring. Having Vicky is great help for the promos. As we saw with this. Now we reach the main event as it is Jericho and Garcia taking on the Dark Order. One of the things I caught on, JR, was like, you know, they might not like Jericho, but they love singing his song. And he's right. We do. We love Judas. Anyway, one of the guys from 2.0 gets on the mic. Basically says, you know, you're lucky... That Chris Jericho lets you sing that. You're lucky this, you're lucky that. He shouldn't let you do this. And I'm all like, I'm all about the Jericho Appreciation Society. I really dig it. Daniel Garcia is a bro from Buffalo, New York. That's only a few hours from me. My first experience seeing him was at Excite Wrestling. Phenomenal work, phenomenal wrestler. did not get their just desserts in nxt i'm hoping they can turn things around here in AEW. and being paired with jericho is a hell of a start they were paired with daniel garcia garcia and 2.0 joined hager and jericho i like the j a s the jericho association society I'm not a big fan of the name, though. I keep wanting to call it JSA because if you're a fan like me who has ring worn gear, has autographed figures, JSA is a big thing. You know, have them, you know, certify the autographs and things like that. So I keep wanting to call it JSA. And to be honest, I probably already have on this show today, to which I apologize. Anyway, that is your AEW discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find us anywhere and everywhere podcasts are found. Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Stitcher, Red Circle, Podbean, Podbay. Anywhere podcasts can be found perched on the top rope. And I want to give a personal thank you to all the fans who do tune in and listen to the show You guys are all over in different countries. I want to go through those countries real quick so I can personally thank you all. It's a big deal to me. So, United States. Thank you. We're in the charitable top 250 in America. Ireland, Germany, Indonesia, Australia, the United Kingdom, and Canada. So, we want to give a big shout out to you guys for thank you for getting us on the chartable top 250 wrestling podcast in your country. Now, we're also in other countries too that have been listening in. We want to thank you, India, Denmark, Paraguay, the Netherlands, Brazil, Puerto Rico, Kenya, and Hong Kong. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, everybody. We do our best to bring you the best content, the best interviews that we possibly can. And speaking of those interviews, you can watch them, if you don't listen to the podcast, on youtube.com slash rope. Those interviews you hear with Gary Michael Capetta, Brett Azar, The Mountie, anyone and anyone we've ever had, you can watch those on youtube, youtube.com slash rope. We're coming up on 10,000 likes on Facebook at facebook.com slash perchedonthetoprope. You can follow us on Instagram at perchedonthetopropepodcast. You can find us on Twitter, perchedtoprope. And you can find us on TikTok with Selena scenes of wrestling, but also you can watch Kevin Sullivan get humped by a dog. And speaking of Kevin Sullivan, you can watch the video of himself and J.J. Dillon on Judge Steve Harvey's show, youtube.com slash rope. Fans remember, spoiler freeze, the way to be. And I know you guys have heard our show opener. This will be the last time that we use the show closer. We will be going back to our normal show closer. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Razor Ramon, Diamond Stud, the bad guy. Send us off one last time. In my lifetime, I've learned. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do.